Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everyone? Welcome into the DNBA shows, the DNBR Nuggets podcast. We're presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure to use the code DNBR when you sign up and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We got a fun show planned today. It's myself, Harrison Wind, joined by Brendan Vote, who's still in Brazil, who's still hanging in there. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Better than yesterday, and I'll tell you what. I might mess around and go outside tomorrow. No promises, Whoa. but I might. Yeah, no, might get crazy. Let my hair down. Are you allowed outdoors time? Do they give that to you in quarantine? <laughs> I've got a nice little balcony. I can read a okay. book, but I've completed my recommended days. So we'll see. I might go to the beach okay. tomorrow if I'm up to it. They have those. How are you, man? Brazil? They have lots of them. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm great. I'm great. Aside from last night, uh, which we're going to get into shortly. Oh, yeah. Um, a forgettable loss, but we're going to lament it even more on today's show because I still feel like there's some stuff we need to talk about. I wasn't on the post-game show last night. I was at Ball Arena, of course, hopped on for the last segment, but there's some stuff I want to go over uh, from last night's loss that we should talk about. We're also going to talk about uh, the news of the day. I think Mike Singer reported today that Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray not going to Grand Rapids at this time. So we'll get into that. Um if that's concerning, if that's not concerning, you know, what to take away from that report. And then finally, we're, we're going to talk about what we're encouraged about, what we're discouraged about from the Nuggets at this point in the season. You know, just 20 some odd games left. We're really in the stretch wow. run now. Uh, so we'll get into that. Let's dive a little into last night's game, though. Vote, were you able to watch last yes. night's game? What's, yeah. what's your situation over there? Uh, I am in a situation that a lot of local Coloradans are in. I am oh, watching okay. the games um, via Google, but I figured it out. I was able to watch that game, unfortunately, last night. What were some of your big takeaways from it? Because I didn't talk to you at all last night. Um, what did you think of this? 119-107 loss to the OKC Thunder. Uh, well, I thought the Nuggets played really well. Um, no, the <laughs> starters, it was weird, man. I mean, they were bricking those threes. There was something about the way OKC that was defending that sort of begged those threes. But I also thought some of the guys that maybe have pushed the issue in the past when that approach doesn't work were reluctant to, sort of resigned to. I saw you framed it as the, uh, they just found that front court too formidable to test which I was yes. laughing at as well. Can we get some free throws? I think you can go right at these guys, but alas. Yeah. Yeah. I guess a question I saw um, going around Twitter was like, was this loss indicative of some bigger issues that are facing the Nuggets at this point in time? And I think my answer to that would be no. Like, I don't think this loss was super concerning. I think it was kind of just a blip on the radar. Look, like you just said, uh, one starter made a three-pointer last night. That was Aaron Gordon at the very, very end of the fourth quarter. And also, like you said, Oklahoma City was playing a defense that kind of sagged in the paint. They double and, and triple team Nikola Jokic all night. Uh, Thunder coach Mark Dagonal, I think that's how you say his name. He wasn't like hiding that game plan. He wasn't shy about that game plan. He said in his pregame comments, like, Look, we're going to double team him all night. That's that's really the only hope we had. So Denver knew it was coming. 
and they just missed an incredible amount of threes. And, and look, on the season, the Nuggets are a good three-point shooting team. They're 13th in the league in three-point percentage. They average 35% three-point shooting as a team on the season. It's not as good as it would be with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray in the lineup, but you know, for all intents and purposes, I think the Nuggets are a pretty solid three-point shooting team this season. So I think it was a bit of an outlier. It was a historically bad three-point shooting night, but I would have liked to see the Nuggets just try to attack the rim a little more. You mentioned my tweet, and it was, of course, sarcastic because this Oklahoma City front court, it's the worst in the league. I mean, Isaiah Roby played the game of his life last night. He was good. Darius Baisley, Pokashevsky, guys on the bench that we've never heard of. This is, I think, easily the worst front court in the NBA, and Denver just settled the entire night. They played right into the Thunder's hands. So um, I thought the Nuggets could have done some other stuff, but overall – I think you got to say it was an outlier performance. I think both of these things can be true, right? I mean, the shooting is undoubtedly an outlier performance. And in the first half, I didn't mind it. Like they, they were wide open looks. OKC yeah. was daring them to take those shots. They're professionals. I mean, the answer really is to hit those shots. The second half is where I started to get exasperated. I wrote this in the grades. One in particular I looked at was Aaron Gordon, who shot zero free throws. And I know he's trusting his shot, and I know it's getting better. But if there's one guy who could maybe turn down an open shot, which also was really an open lane, and maybe try to be aggressive with it, get to the get to the rim or get to the line, I thought it could have been AG. Uh, and he chose to trust his shot, which that's great when it works out. Last night, I thought it was the wrong approach. Um, you know, Barton, hilariously, Barton led the team with five assists last night to zero turnovers. There's a brief <laughs> little moment where he took a different approach then immediately dropped that and went back out beyond the perimeter looking for that three. So some adjustments in the second half would have been nice. Um, But we also can't kid ourselves. I think really a lot of the answer would have been hitting those shots. And it was kind of insane that they, that they missed as many as they did. One last note that Aaron Gordon three, I think pushed the over for the betters. What a bad break. I think it pushed the the over or some people I was talking to. It just made the better push. Like, Uh, what a crazy, incredible. That's the one he hits. And by the way, these line setters are just magicians, warlocks. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're pretty good. You mentioned Will Barton. And honestly, man, watching him last night go 0 of 9 from 3, it got to a point where it was awkward to watch. It was yeah. uncomfortable watching him because, I mean, he's obviously pressing. He is one away from the Nuggets all-time three-point record. We know it's on his mind. And he's 0-14 since he's been one away from the record. He went 0-5 against Portland. Yeah, he went 0-5 against Portland, 0-9 last night from three. And that's all been since he's got within one of the record. Um, It's rough, man. Like, you can tell it's, it's in his head. And it's something that if you put yourself in his shoes, it's probably hard to not think about. Like sure. all of his threes, especially in the second half, were just wide open. Uh, and they were all bricks. I think his last one didn't hit the side of the backboard. It was yep. just brutal, the one where man. he had the wide open kind of pull up and he hesitated. And you could just see the gears turning. I kind of want this. Well, I shouldn't force it. Oh, wait, I'm open. It, it's tough to watch. And I it's it's no longer a feel good moment. You know what I mean? He's going to get this thing and we're going to be like, OK, cool. Glad that's over. It's kind of harder to celebrate than it felt a week ago. I just want to say this is all my fault because I made a really, really cool graphic that I got really excited about using. And now I don't even know if we're going to put it out. And it makes me sad. Kale, it's not your fault. It's not your fault because we did not release that graphic. (laughs) It's Adam Mars's fault for that tweet at like 1.30 a.m. last night. I knew it when he said Guaranteeing that that Will Barton was going to make two threes last night. That is the most cursed tweet. I don't know. I don't even think we want to bring it up because it's that cursed. He's gotten to know. Everyone's seen it. He's gotten it from every direction, so he knows. Uh, Yeah. But that was hilarious. You know, it was a bummer win, too, is there were some other things. Like I mentioned the brief moment where Barton tried to do some other stuff, got things going with Jeff Green, found some found some teammates. 
he hits one of those threes. And then more importantly, if he just played defense in that fourth quarter, you might go, okay, that was rough, but he salvaged it. And instead um, he was actually just, that was even tougher to watch than the shooting was the way they just went after him in the fourth and his spirits were just crushed. So they've needed more from him for a while. And I think there's no doubt, there's no doubt that this record is, is not having a positive effect on his play right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another note I've got from last night, Nikola Jokic attempted two free throws. <laughs> like, I really don't want to be that guy, but <laughs> the guy shot the ball 17 times last night. I think 10 of those were in the paint. He attempted two free throws. It's, it's crazy. Um, but that was also just kind of, you know, playing into OKC's game plan they made it tough for him. They threw a lot of bodies at him. The Nuggets weren't getting a ton of calls. And the Thunder benefited. I mean, going back to the three-point shooting really quickly, 46 threes, that's tied for the second most the Nuggets have ever attempted in a game wow. in franchise history. Wow. It's the second most that. threes ever in a game. And that's, like I said, against what I think is the worst front court starting and coming off the bench in the NBA. So the, the fact that Denver just didn't test those guys, I, I think is, is pretty inexcusable. And I think the final note I have, you could tell from the first possession of this game that it might be one of those weird nights. I was yeah. watching Michael Malone at the beginning of this game, man. He had a look on his face like, I should have called in sick today. The yep. Thunder got out to a 6-0 lead. I don't think he got out of his chair until like four or five minutes had passed in the game. He was really, really pissed. And this is the thing that like people get wrong about blaming Malone for a loss like this or, or, or blaming him when the Nuggets don't come out with some fire and some spirit. It's not like Michael Malone didn't prepare his guys for this game. It's not like he didn't do the same thing he does before every game. And I've said this on the show before, but like Malone is one of the most prepared coaches in the NBA. And what I mean by that is when I talk to other like writers and other people around the league, they're always like, wow, the nuggets looked really prepared for this defensive scheme or they look really prepared for what this offense was doing. So it's not like, Michael Malone told them to come out with no energy and no fight and no focus. They had the right game plan. They just didn't execute. And at the very beginning of the game, the starters for a second straight game, the starters were also really bad against Portland, but for a second straight game, the starters just didn't bring it. So right. I was looking at Michael Malone last night and I honestly felt a little bad for him at the very beginning of the game. And I do think, I mean, how many years has he been in Denver now? Eventually, no matter what he's doing right or wrong, I think things do start to go in one ear and out the other. And that's not to mean that it's time necessarily time for a change. It's just Malone can can yell and yell and yell. Maybe it has to come from other, other voices and, and you miss Jamal in moments like those for sure. These are one of the areas one of the areas in which we could see Jokic go or would like to see him grow. Call it call a player huddle. You know what I mean? Wake each other sure. up, talk to each other. There's none of that, right? And so just a lot of like blanks, blank faces, guys in shock. And even Jokic, who, listen, I understand when you're getting triple teamed, your teammates literally cannot buy a bucket and you're getting fouled and they're not calling it. Like eventually you're going to just pull yourself out to the perimeter and try something different. But also when he did force the issue, foulers or not, he did still score 22 points on 17 shots. Like he could have pressed through. There was that fourth quarter stretch where he came in alongside the bench shooters who were hot and he just relegated himself to the perimeter and it just felt like it, it got to him. You know what I mean? It, when maybe he could have, we saw it in the Clippers game, could he have imposed his will a little more? So weird night, uh, weird night. And I, to me, it was where the sort of on-court leadership that's discussed at times with this team really reared its head. Someone say something, you know, but right, right. alas. Yeah. Say something. You you mentioned, yo, he came in at the end, had a really bad turnover. He had some rough turnovers last night. Six of them in total, only four assists. One of his lowest assist games on the year. And I mean, the Nuggets didn't hit shots, so you didn't really expect that to be higher. Um, I, I do have a question for you. At the end of the game, Michael Malone rides his bench. 
because that second unit played really, really well throughout most of this game. They really actually kept the Nuggets in this game, but he rides his second unit late into the fourth quarter, then goes back to Jokic, then eventually goes back to the rest of the starters. Was that the right or the wrong decision, in your opinion? Because after the game, Malone said when I asked him, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have left the bench in there. Sure. I mean, the funny thing about these conversations, man, is how long ago or not that long ago was it where he went with the bench and we were like, dude, you got to bring the starters back in. You know, right. and it's like we are chasing like at a certain point, it shouldn't be a cardinal sin to play your starters against the OKC Thunder. Like maybe it, the players should have stepped up. Um, he's he's right. I think to some extent, like the bench earned that opportunity. They did give up a little mini run and had been on the court for quite some time when he pulled him. So I didn't feel like it was egregious. A couple of things. I mean, Austin Rivers should have closed over Will Barton. Barton just, that was painfully obvious. Not forget hindsight, just as he was being attacked over and over, you go, man, they're missing their best perimeter defender who was bringing it that night. And then Bones over Monte. I mean, Bones was phenomenal, but given the way Monte's played of late, is it really unreasonable that Malone tried to go back to him in the fourth? You know, the bench might have saved the day. And in hindsight, I guess we can all say it it would have been worth a shot. But I just want to point out that it's like, man, why did you put the starters back in against the Thunder? It's like, well, your starter should be able to close the game. You know, that's it's on them. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Look, if the bench stays in, do they win the game? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Because like you said, they were already kind of losing control of it when he did go back to the starters. I think you obviously put Jokic in. I mean, that's that's sure. an easy call for me. And Cousins, I feel like he was definitely at his limit in terms of fatigue, which I think Malone yeah. referenced after the game too. I think he was talking about Cousins at least. He was and playing yeah, so hard. He was playing he was. so hard in those 15 minutes. He was. Inspiring, really. It really was. And then I think Austin Rivers, yeah, that, that's the easy inclusion there. And I want to talk about Austin Rivers a lot a little later in the show because I think he's kind of emerging here. Um, mm-hmm. But he was really good last night again. And you talk about perimeter defense. I mean, he, he's really the one nugget that gave Denver anything in terms of perimeter defense um, last night. So I kind of want to end it there. I think this is honestly – maybe the worst Nuggets loss I've ever seen. And and I've seen some bad ones, man. I mean, I watched the Nuggets get swept by the Cavaliers two years ago. <laughs> like the, the NBA worst Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, I saw the Ish Smith game. I saw the Nuggets blow a 20-plus point lead to the Pelicans multiple times, I feel like. I've seen some bad ones. But just with the quality of player that the thunder had last night i know i know this could be the worst and it was consequential right i mean look at it is a critical stretch they were rolling you got to keep it going the wolves have not fallen off you're you're that close to dallas so there's always like overreactions and underreactions to these types of losses or wins against these bad teams but this one wasn't just a oh that was annoying it was consequential so i think you're right i i would say just in terms of is there something we can take away from this? Nothing new, right? The perimeter defense, we knew about that. How teams are going to try to play Jokic. I mean, OKC came out with a playoff approach, right, for a team that's tanking. They they came out trying to win that game like their lives depended on it. We've seen that approach against Jokic. We've also seen the Nuggets figure that out over time. So it did, did some bad habits rear their heads for sure, but again, do not overlook the shooting aspect of this, which is just insanely unfortunate. Yeah. All right, let's hit a break. On the other side, news of the day, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray not going to Grand Rapids. We'll also talk about some other news involving a new contract for Nikola Jokic. Ooh. Ooh. That, that's that's exciting. And then Wait, finally, we're going to get into... Uh, not yet, apparently. Not oh, yet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then we're also going to get into what we're encouraged about, what we're discouraged about with the Nuggets. Uh, at, at this point in the season, am I, I doing the reads? The uh, oh, I, yeah. I can do them. Um, Please. Guys, Ivanka TV, if you haven't watched the Nuggets and Avalanche this season, if you have Comcast and haven't been able to watch them, Ivanka TV is, is the savior. Like, th- this is an incredible option that 
people in Denver have to watch the Nuggets if they haven't been able to this season. And a lot of people have been replying to me, tweeting at me that they've signed up for Ivaca TV and I've gotten it. Uh, they're loving it. They're really enjoying it. It's just $25 a month. Go to evoca.tv slash DNVR. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash DNVR. $25 a month. Plus you get a free receiver. No contracts. No hidden fees. This $25 per month price is locked in for two years. So they can't raise your price, jack it up like cable companies sometimes like to do every year or so. $25 a month for two years and you get altitude plus a lot of other channels as well uh available in denver Colorado springs phoenix boise and twin falls idaho evoca.tv slash dnvr and also at DraftKings this week guys when covington and masvidal step into the octagon this saturday at ufc 272 DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the UFC has a knockout offer for new customers. Bet just $1 on the main event. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. First round knockout, you get paid off that. Majority draw, you get paid off of that. Double knockout, resulting in a no contest ruling, you get paid off of that as well. You get $100 in free bets no matter what the outcome is. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on UFC 272. The main event, get $100 in free bets no matter what happens in the fight. That's code DNVR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700. also want to throw in a DraftKings pick of the week here let me let me check out these lines tonight let me let me check these out here do we think the lakers are going to beat the clippers tonight no i really don't i really don't (laughs) i don't they're only a two and a half point underdog i'm gonna go clippers money line minus 140 to beat the lakers tonight that game is probably on espn i'm guessing or tnt it's thursday um yeah, that's going to be my DraftKings pick of the week. Clippers like over it. the Lakers tonight. Hopefully that hits. All right, back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast, the DNBA show, Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote. I want to get to this Jokic news real quick, Kale, before we uh, go to the Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray news. Guys, Vote, Nico Jokic expected to sign a Supermax contract extension with the Denver Nuggets. Um, This is going to be, vote, the largest contract in NBA history. Until it isn't. But that's good for him. He's earned it and uh, worth every penny. And I don't think anyone would disagree. So he can sign the Supermax this offseason, which would begin in 2023, projected to be worth between $253 million and $270 million over five years that's a lot of horses or he could wait until 2023 take another year to evaluate his options and still resign for the same terms according to his agent he's expected to sign it it sounds like this coming summer i would think that's pretty much a lock to happen um i've been saying you know forever that i would be surprised if like Nico Jokic ever played for another nba team I would definitely be surprised if he left the Nuggets in his prime. I think this is just, you know, another indicator that this guy's not going anywhere. Yeah, I've never had any doubt. I would be shocked. I know that can be potentially naive in this NBA ecosystem. But Jokic is not a product of that ecosystem by any means. I think he's content in Denver. I think he's expressed wanting to finish the job with his teammates, with the org who's Mm -hmm. put trust in him. And an element that I've always thought is important in this does he strike you as a guy who wants to start over as a terms of assimilating to a new city and culture? I don't, I don't get that impression. So happy to see it. I'm sure it's going to happen. And um, you know what, just build the Crockies own the Elitch gardens, right? So just build a horse track and let's just keep him happy forever. And he never a has horse to track in the middle of downtown Denver. Why not? Um, Why not? Yeah, man. I, I don't think he's a guy who wants to start over. I also think just from what I know about Nikola Jokic and how he looks at things, I just 
think and my read on it is he's somebody who is incredibly loyal, wants to win it and wants to do it and wants to be with the people who have been with him for a while and have helped get to him this get him to this point. And he just wants to finish the job, you know, and, and I think he definitely wants to do that here. And I, I just I don't think, you know, going somewhere else to win a championship is going to be appealing to him. I, I yes. really don't. And it's weird because I think there's only a couple NBA players that you can probably say this for, but he's just a different breed. And, and I think it comes from his background and it comes from his principles and, and just how he lives his life and right. goes about his, his daily routine. I just think he thinks his purpose is to win it with the nuggets and win it with this staff and this strength staff and, you know, the couple guys who have been here with him for a while. And mm-hmm. that's what he's going to do. If it doesn't happen here, it doesn't happen here. But I just think that's his focus, or at least that's my read on it. I mean, he's said it so many times, right? That he wants that sort of Tim Duncan path, that that dirt path, the, the getting it done, you know, where the groundwork was laid. I believe it. The only thing, and not with this contract, I'm not trying to stir stuff up, but the only thing with at any point in his career, you know, talking about this with our Serbian buddies on Monday, you know, you could see him eventually out of his prime, like, hey, Boban, where are you at? Luca, where are you at? Is there something we can do here, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that, again, that would be after the prime, after the title, or maybe, hopefully, ideally, getting them to come here. So this contract to me was never in doubt, um, and I'm excited to see it see it come to fruition yeah absolutely uh let's get to the other news today mike singer at denver post reported that no michael porter jr will not go to grand rapids and practice with the grand rapids gold this week that's something that i tweeted yesterday it seemed like the nuggets were definitely planning on having happened uh mike also said that jamal murray was going to go to grand rapids yeah what <laughs> I didn't know about uh, until today either. And, you know, just checking with some people, it doesn't seem like that was something that was going to happen until yesterday. They started talking about sending Jamal there as well. Um, is this something or nothing? Because I feel like this was the logical next step talking about Porter. I, I didn't think Jamal was as close, but talking about Porter, the logical next step in him, coming back you know you practice with the G League team you scrimmage maybe you play a G League game then you really start talking about returning to the Nuggets lineup um concerned not concerned do you have a read on this at all I feel like well shout out to Singer for the report but I also feel like we've got a burying the lead case on our hands Jamal Murray was gonna go to Grand Rapids uh I feel like this is that to that to me is good news that to me indicates he was closer than the way um Groucho Malone has been talking about it or I mean I know why he does it but um, I'm just kidding with that nickname Michael Uh, I know why he does that stuff but the tempering of the expectations and the wet blanket stuff it well okay maybe it sounds like Murray was closer than we thought I I, for for one one second on that I feel really bad for coaches that are put in this situation because of course you've got to temper expectations and like deny stuff I mean Steve Nash when the Nuggets came, when the Nets came to Denver, like two True. days before True. they traded James Harden, said, True. "Yes, we're not trading James Harden." I mean, coaches just have to carry water for their organizations. It's true in times like this, and I feel bad for him. It's true. So I'm I'm sorry, Michael. Um, but that is exciting, and, and so then also Singer did was explicit in that report to say there were no setbacks. They just sort of rethought the logistics of the scenario. So. Putting those things together, I go, well, if you say it's not a setback, I'm not going to sweat it. And if you tell me Jamal Murray was in the mix, I'm actually more excited. This is encouraging news to me, Wim. The Jamal Murray part, definitely encouraging. I mean, my sense even now is he's definitely still behind Porter in terms of Mm -hmm. when they could come back. But, um, you know, just talking to people around the team that there's still hope that both of them do play this season and Jamal gets back this season. Um, the way it was described to me, them not going to Grand Rapids was a change of heart. Um, I just 
don't know if they wanted to go there. And no, it's because IT is not there. It's because Mike is not going to get to see IT, and so he changed his mind. Did Michael Porter Jr. not want to get shown up by Nick Stauskas on the practice court? That's, I think, the conspiracy we have to start talking about. Nick Stauskas, if you guys didn't know, if you're not staying up to date on the Grand Rapids Gold, just had 100 points over his last two games. Uh, I think scored 57 and then 43 in his last two games. That happened on a back-to-back. So in two days, he scored 100 points. But, uh, But anyways... Yeah, I just feel like what it came down to is they just didn't want to go um, for a day and then have to fly back. It's only 33 degrees in Grand Rapids, though. A balmy 33 degrees there today. <laughs> I don't see yeah. why it's so bad. And I guess, yeah, Singer outlined that logistically you could do all of this in Denver, too, which um, maybe seems like something they... I know. I don't know if I bought that part. Because also, why the sudden? why would you not have realized that a week ago? So, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe they just didn't want to go, but the no setback thing is just sort of what I'm hanging my hat on. I'm going to try not to trip up on it too much. Um, are the Nuggets going to practice? So, that's I mean, that's the thing. Um, they probably just are. They're, they're probably practicing and just not telling us, but whatever. Uh, we'll, find, we'll find out. So they had a practice Tuesday, and then after the loss last night, Michael Malone said, I could tell at practice that we weren't going to come out with you know, the right mindset in the first quarter. He said they had a really bad practice Tuesday. Mm. Um, So maybe they won't practice again. But even at whatever the Nuggets are calling a practice now, it's not (laughs) like they're playing five-on-five full contact. They can't risk an injury. Um, They don't have 100% of their bodies anyway. The way it was described to me was that, look, when they go to Grand Rapids – They have the bodies. You know, there's a full roster up there. They can play five on five and they can go. The Nuggets can go to Grand Rapids and be like, "Okay, we want you to play, you know, four 10 minute quarters with officials and make this like an actual scrimmage type thing. I don't think you can do that same thing in Denver. So, um, you know, I bet they can get up and down a little bit with assistant coaches and, you know, player development guys and whoever else wants to play. But I don't know if it's quite the same. Or maybe if they feel they're good enough, like healthy enough, that they're just let's get into the NBA stuff. Let's forego let's forego the G League. I mean, it's it's confusing, but I still the most confusing part to me is just where did this Jamal Murray thing come from? So yeah. I I get to me, I still kind of see it as good news because of that factor. That's where I maybe Jamal's on. being a little secretive because these last couple of home games, the, he hasn't warmed up mm. on the main court, you know before the game, which he had been doing really for the last couple of months, you know, um, after all the you know guys who were playing that night go through their warm up, when there's like 30 minutes before the game starts, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. Are usually out there. Uh, I haven't seen them over the last couple of games before the last couple of games. Now that's maybe nothing. Maybe Jamal's like working out upstairs, working out way before, doesn't want to do it in front of everybody. I could understand that if he actually is getting closer, but yeah. that's just something I've observed. I, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe he's maybe he's closer than they're letting on. That's kind of how I felt, and and so yeah, I, I don't want to put any sort of. I see this question from Kyle. There's at no point, I guess, I'm putting a, a speculative timetable on it now, but God, I feel a week ago there were some really depressing anecdotes coming out about the perspective on Jamal returning. And to me, this one was a little bit of like, Hey, just a reminder, this is still very much on the table. So I I'll, I'll choose to take it as a positive man. How many games would you like to see Jamal Murray or Michael Porter jr. Play before the playoffs? Because I, I think what a lot of people don't get with injuries is that going from zero to the playoffs is such a ridiculous ramp up that I don't think you can really ask somebody to do that. Like you've got to get some regular season games under your belt before you go into a playoff environment, which is just like so much more intense. Everybody's playing way harder, especially at the end of the season. A lot of teams just really start to pack it in and just try not to get injured before the playoffs or you're playing teams that are just out of it. 
Do you have a number in mind of games you'd like to see those guys play maybe before they suit up in the playoffs? Yeah, I really haters suggest five to ten. I kind of have it more like eight to ten, I, I guess. Um, and it's not that I think he's all of a sudden going to look great at game eight. We've talked so much about the mental aspect of this, asking your body to do what it used to be able to do. He's yeah. just got to get out on the court and go through that process, I just think, right? Just enough reps of by the time the playoffs come around, he, he trusts that thing, right? He trusts his body to at least try to do some of the things he wants to do. Um, Porter, I'm a little less I, – I think Porter's ready to go. I think you want to get him in game shape up and down the court. Um, but the way he's going to be used, the value he brings to this team, I just think he can do it tomorrow, which is take jump shots. So getting him in shape and conditioning is important. Ten games I think would be cool. Ten or more would be awesome. Uh, but, you know, I've seen a lot of why, why rush these guys back. I don't think that's happening. I, I think you can take it that if they come back, it's because they're ready. And lost in the Porter discussion is that that was a, a relatively routine surgery to clean up some discomfort. Now, it's terrifying because it's his third back surgery, and that risk of re-injury has skyrocketed. But you know what, man? That's just as true next week as it is next year. That's that's the hand they've been dealt with Porter, and the reality is if he's cleared to play, then he's good to go and play him. So mm-hmm. I, I think um, you know Porter, it's, it's less of a concern for me. Jamal, I'd like to see him get close to 10 games in if possible. I think this is a good point here. I definitely – think them coming back could kind of uplift the entire team, just just lift everybody's spirits and whatnot. I, I definitely think that could be a thing. And, and yeah, I'm with you. At least on the offensive end, fitting in Michael Porter Jr. is going to be easier, I think, potentially, than bringing Jamal Murray back because, like you said, you can just stand in the corner and shoot 40% from three. That's what Jeff's and, doing without the 40% part. Right. Just and they definitely would have won that game against the Thunder last night. Um, <laughs> yeah. th- my concern with Porter, and it's actually a pretty big concern, is defensively and just the trust level between him and Michael Malone. Because, I mean, we know how much Michael Porter struggled defensively over his career. He's going to be, you know, probably less in tune when he comes back and, and just. Uh, as he's going to maybe look as green defensively when he comes back as he ever has, just because he's been off for so long. I'm just concerned about his, his, the level that he'll be able to get to defensively, but that's what you'll have to find out about him in the regular season. Um, So I'm thinking, you know, eight to 10 games would be great. Five to eight would be okay, but definitely going to have to have to see him out there a little bit. And, and yeah, when it comes to Jamal, they're definitely not rushing him back. Um, Markel Fultz just came back from an ACL. Looks good. Looks good. Looks good. He also was off for 13 months. Yeah. So Jamal's sitting at under 11 months right now. I think March 12th will be 11 months exactly since the surgery. So he's still definitely on the early side of, of the timetable. Um, so yeah, we'll see. And with Porter coming back, I I don't know this. This is just me speculating. I think Porter definitely wants to come back to kind of prove to everybody that, like, I'm not this guy who's just going to be injured and on the shelf and, like, these back surgeries aren't going to define me. They have to this point. I mean, he's had three surgeries in five years. But I think he wants to get back to – to prove to himself and, and to prove to others that you know, I, I can't survive in this league. I, I can't survive. So we'll see. And his, and the last sort of taste we have in our mouths from watching him play, it was so bad. And he knows, we know he's not that bad. And it goes to this regular season and the playoffs and there's plenty of room for growth, but I think Michael would like to remind us all what he can do. And I'm eager for that reminder as well, because yeah, you know, they are better with Porter in there than than Jeff. For, for all the things Jeff has done well and can do and the way he understands the game. Uh, first of all, worth pointing out, Jeff Green, not exactly a great defender in his own right. Uh, Porter is bigger, more athletic, better rebounder, better shooter. So they're better with him in the roster. There's no doubt. And and so I, I yeah. think he's eager. But I don't think – is he – 
is he too eager? I mean, he's, he's either healthy or he's not, you know, and I think he's ready to go. And so I'm not concerned about the rushing aspect. I'm excited to see that eventual return. Yeah. This is a good question from Jen. Does MPJ immediately replace Jeff with the starters? That's a good question. I don't know the answer. I would think he comes off the bench at first, see how it goes, see how he looks playing little spurts of minutes. And then you make a decision. If he looks like his old self, yes, you put him back in the starting lineup. Um, but I think initially maybe he comes off the bench. You mentioned Jeff Green. And I've – listeners of this podcast know I've been hitting this all season. Looking at Jeff Green's rebounding numbers is usually a pretty good indicator of, like, how locked into a game he is. He had zero rebounds in 21 minutes last night. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, it's, it's an immediate upgrade in some of those aspects. It really is. But the reason I find Jen's question so interesting, and George Carl talked about this on, on the old Keeping It 1000 podcast, the bench is rolling. Do you, is there, do you have any interest in breaking that up right now? And so obviously the long-term prospects of getting Porter and Murray healthy are more important, but you're also still trying to win games. And so – does it make more sense to just put Porter with the starters and let the bench stay as they are? And what does that mean for Jeff Green? Uh, these questions, I think, don't necessarily have easy answers. So it's definitely something I have circled as far as important questions when he does return. Definitely. Breckenridge Brewery, guys, the official beer of DNVR. They've got seltzers. Breck Brew is in the seltzer game. If you stop into the DNVR bar, we've got seltzers just chilling in the fridge. Uh, ready for you guys tons of great flavors i would recommend the peach uh, but the seltzers are awesome definitely they have uh, vaulted to the top of my seltzer power rankings they taste really good uh, so check those out if you're in the area stop into the dnvr bar if you are not in the area go to the breck brew website check out the breck brew beer locator that's how you're going to be able to find out where you can get Breck Brew closest to you, where you can get Breck Brew seltzers. And like I said, if you're in the area, check out the DNVR bar. We've got tons of Breck Brew on tap. We've got Breck Brew seltzers. So check it out. If you're in Denver, Corner Colfax and your Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. All right, back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the code DMVR when you sign up and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We're in the stretch run now. Uh, vote. Let's go over what we're encouraged or maybe discouraged about with the Nuggets at this point. You want to go first? Sure. Can I take the obvious one? Um, go for it. The bench. I like. I like the way the bench has been playing which was just the biggest weakness of this team and is currently looking like one of their bigger strengths until the starters wake up. This boogie signing has been everything we could have hoped for. Jermichael Green has rediscovered his utility on this roster. Bryn Forbes looks like a great trade. Bones Highland looks like a good pick. I mean, these are all Austin Rivers is, I mean, if you really think about how he's played and what he's given them on a minimum deal, I mean, that value has been through the roof. So I love the way they're playing. I love the way they play together right now against these at least bad to mediocre bench units. And I love the idea of three, four of those guys coming in an eight, nine man rotation. I think they can help. And, you know, I said this before, but we can breathe again about that group. And that feels like a luxury in and of itself. Yeah. You actually feel a little confident, or at least I do when the bench comes on the floor now yeah. and yeah. for the first half of the season, Everybody was holding their breath. Everybody was thinking whenever that group got on the floor, it was a worst case scenario. Like you thought the opponent was going to go on a 10-0 run every single time. And for good reason, because that happened a lot. But now you feel confident, man. You, you feel confident that that group can you know, not only just post like a zero plus minus, but that they can outscore an opponent's bench. Right. And, I'm going to go a step further and, and talk about one guy that's really impressed me on the bench. Look, Brent Forbes has been great. Bones Highland's been really good. He was great last night. DeMarcus Cousins, of course. Jamichael Green's playing the best he has all season. But Austin Rivers, to me, continues to just look like such a good fit with this roster. And I tweeted this out last night, but I could see a scenario where 
He's the Nuggets' first guard off the bench in the playoffs. And not counting a Jamal Murray return, because if he comes back and he starts, then Monte Morris is the first guard in the game. But if just not counting that for a second. Austin Rivers, I could see becoming the Nuggets' sixth man in the playoffs. And the biggest reason why is defensively. Mm-hmm. And you saw it last night. Denver could not keep SGA out of the paint once again. We've seen that every time the Nuggets have played the Thunder this season. And he burnt Aaron Gordon. He burnt Will Barton. And there are a couple plays in the second half where Austin Rivers fared really well defensively on him. And I know Michael Malone. I know how much he values defense, specifically point of attack defense in the playoffs. And I just think Austin Rivers is a guy that the Nuggets are going to rely on at times in a postseason environment. Am I crazy? No, no, you're dead on. And they also don't really have much of a choice. I love the way that group defended in that short stretch post-trade last year. But two of these guys are going to be coming back off major injuries. You know, do we think that they're necessarily going to solve the perimeter defense problem? Probably not right away. Uh, Definitely not right away and probably not across the playoffs. So if you want to have a guy that can lead the team in minutes off the bench, that can close with the starters. uh, And again, we thought he should have last night. Mm -hmm. He's your guy. And then don't forget what he can do offensively, as rare as it is. He won a playoff game last year and and he started in that series. So he, I think he's, I think he's earned Malone's trust and also particularly with some of the questions that have surrounded him throughout his career this year, he's had to go through it. You're starting, you're with the bench, you're out of the rotation. Here we go again from the top. He stayed ready. And he, in the end, he's, he's earned this spot. And I think you're dead on that. He's among, if not the most important bench player right now. Um, And look, if Barton's going to be playing like that come playoff time, I think you close rivers over him, you know? So there are going to be moments where that happens, I think. Yeah, for sure. And rivers, he's shooting the three better as of late. I think he's at like 40% from three over his last five games. He's streaky from the three point line, of course, but as of late, he's been hitting and he's also been getting to the rim a little more. Um, He's shooting one of the best percentages of his career at the rim this season. And it's a pretty good finisher in there. I mean, he's had a couple of these nice like Euro step walks to the rim over the last couple of games and, and finished at the hoop. And he's cutting out the jab steps. He's getting the ball moving more. Um, so I'm re- just really encouraged about what I'm seeing with Austin Rivers. And I'm seeing some comments about Rivers versus Forbes. I'm worried about Bryn Forbes defensively in the playoffs. Like he is an incredible shooter an incredible shooter. Um, One of the best, you know, just catch and shoot guys in the NBA and doesn't need a ton of room to get off a three either. But uh, I just think when push comes to shove, you're going to want Austin's defense out there. I also think in, in, I mean, we're talking in sort of about the ideal kind of nuggets team, right? With how this works out. Jamal's back, Porter's back. They look okay. They look good even. In that case, Rivers' defense may prove to be more valuable than getting Forbes' shooting in there. Um, I understood why Forbes is on the court last night. He was the only guy who could hit a perimeter shot. That seemed kind of important. But just generally across a playoff series, I think what Rivers can do might be a little more important relative to what the Nuggets starters can't do right now. And that is the perimeter defense, which is among my top concerns, man, heading into that playoffs. I don't think it's going to magically look great. So. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Forbes has been great. He's been exactly what the Nuggets hoped he'd be so far. He's really been exactly what they could have imagined. Okay, here's something I'm discouraged about. You ready for this? Yeah. The schedule. I was looking at the Nuggets schedule just before we popped on this show. I didn't even realize this. Did you know the Nuggets are about to play four games in five days? I saw that. Yeah, we got a makeup game in there, right? It's because of the makeup game against the Warriors, but still, they're about to play four games in five days. They play Houston, of course, on Friday, and if you expand it, it's five games in seven days, but after Houston on Friday, they play the Pelicans on Sunday, the Warriors on Monday, then they're off, then they play at the Kings, and then home against the Warriors again, so two back-to-backs with one off day in between. 
The first one's a home and home back to back. The second one, they're on the road and then come back to play the Warriors on the second night of a back to back. I've never seen this on a Nuggets schedule. This has been something teams have played this season, um, a four games in five nights. Like it's just the makeup era, the COVID era that we're in. Sometimes this pops up on the schedule, apparently, but. This is concerning to me. I mean, four games in five days is absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, has anyone told Draymond Green how this one shook out? Uh, <laughs> must be. Yeah. It's it's brutal, man. The only thing I'm I'm clinging to is God, how bad did the Nuggets look off two days rest? <laughs> and maybe if they're rolling, yeah. they can keep it rolling. There's no time for a bad practice or overthinking it or yeah, whatever. Just don't practice. Maybe that's the yeah. solution here. Yes, yeah. Um, Vladimir, I think there's an answer to your question. Try to win more of the games than you lose. Not trying to be a dick, but that's kind of how it goes. Um, Look, it's the Wolves have a nice little easy stretch coming up, and this is a very concerning five-game stretch for the Nuggets. The Kings I feel okay about. The way those games go is, is kind of a misnomer. Like The Nuggets actually win those games more than the way folk like you and I talk about it or portray it. But those Golden State games are tough. The Pelicans games get scary. This is why dropping that Thunder game was so consequential, man. That was a game. It was supposed to be a gimme. And in the end, it's a demoralizing loss. And now they're going to have to trudge through this stretch of schedule. It's it's not it's not a free pass to the to the avoiding the play in here. They're going to have to scrap yeah. and earn it for sure. You bring up the Pelicans, or not the Pelicans, the Timberwolves who are right behind the Nuggets in the standings. Denver six, Minnesota seventh. Denver is one and a half, or sorry, two and a half games up on Minnesota. But if you look at Minnesota's schedule, like you just mentioned, listen to their next four games. I don't want to. At Oklahoma City versus Portland versus Portland at Oklahoma City. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Ugh. So, I mean, maybe maybe the Thunder have found something here. You know, I don't think so, but maybe they've really found something. <laughs> And they're able to hang with Minnesota, but the Timberwolves have two dates with the Thunder, two dates with Portland. Both those Portland games are at home. Three of those four are at home. Um, That could very well be four straight wins for them. So it's going to be tough. And yeah, it hurts dropping that Thunder game. The Nuggets just won six in a row. They've won eight of their last 10, but... The thing is, everybody above them in the standings except the Warriors has also won eight of their last ten. So Denver hasn't really moved up in this stretch, even though they've been really hot. Um, but yeah, you've got to win every game you can. It's crazy. It's crazy. And along those lines, one of the things I am discouraged about, the starters. That winning streak mm. was fun, but for two, three games, they didn't, I guess, three, if you're talking about the loss, two, they didn't look very good, and the bench yeah. kind of saved them. Now, I think... Ultimately, I have confidence in them. Um, Jokic will have a reminder game here sooner or later. Oh, yeah, that's right. He is the best player in the world. That will help. But they haven't been grooving lately, and I think that's why there was some urgency in the way Malone's been coaching, been talking to those guys despite that win streak, trying to wake them up. Uh, And they didn't do it on the court. So, yeah, the starters are going to need to be better, I think, you know, whatever Jokic has, I think, enjoyed being a pass first superstar, great on his own terms. This stretch might command something else from him here. He might have to dig deep for that Clippers esque effort. Barton's going to need to be better. Aaron Gordon's going to need to be better. So I am discouraged with the play of the starters. However, reinforcements on the way? Question mark. I mean, there's something to be encouraged about as well. Not just Michael Porter, but maybe Jamal Murray, as as Singer talked about today, closer to a return than we thought. Yeah, something else I'm discouraged about, just Aaron Gordon overall. Uh, did not look great last night. He's had one really good game after the All-Star break against the Kings. But other than that, don't think he's been great. And defensively, you know, know. maybe it's, it's okay that he's kind of waiting to ramp it up to that all NBA defense that we know he can play, or hopefully he's waiting to ramp it up because the defender he was at the beginning of the season, I I think it's easy to forget. Like he was so good defensively 
early this season. That was one of the big storylines from the first month of the year. Like Aaron Gordon is an elite, elite, elite defender. I want to believe that he still has that in him and he can flip the switch in the playoffs. But I just want to see it maybe one or two times over the remainder of the regular season. Maybe he's waiting for like a big matchup, a big one-on-one matchup for that to happen. But I just want to see him have a big standout defensive game before the playoffs. Yeah, we talked about what hope is there of that defense looking different. Well, maybe when the starters come back and Aaron Gordon's offensive role changes, so does his responsibility and his approach on the other end. I still buy it. I still buy that he can because we saw him look incredible. But he he needs to be a little better right now, and and he's had a great season. But, you know, maybe more aggressive around the rim, maybe more active off ball and better defensively. I will say – I think they, I think they can do it. I think we'll see the starters look good again uh, sooner rather than later. And they've looked great for the better part of the season. So it's, you know, I'm very encouraged by the bench. I trust that the starters can get it together, but it needs to be said that they need to go do it now. Yeah. I think they will. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out and looked great against the Rockets. I think the starters can definitely flip the switch, but you know, we'll see. The last thing I've got that I'm encouraged about is just Bones Highland. He was great last night, 19 points, five of six from three, mm. four assists, just one turnover. Look, man, if you would have told me over the summer that Nuggets are going to have a rookie and that rookie is going to be a point guard and that point guard is going to be in the rotation firmly and that rookie point guard under Michael Malone, Michael Malone's a coach here, under Michael Malone is going to launch 30 footers on the regular i would have been like you're out of your mind like you're you're absolutely crazy because Dude, some, of the, some of those shots last night <laughs> he shot the the one three he missed was was super deep that was like a 34 footer it's just such a stark contrast to the michael porter jr experience where we saw him take one three that was five foot two you know yeah. One shot that was five foot too long out, and he got benched immediately, right? Sure, that and did Bones, get him benched, I think. Yeah, yeah, like that would get him benched immediately, and Bones Highland is pulling up from the logo with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, and Malone's like, shoot, baby, shoot. Like, it's yeah. such a weird contrast to the MPJ experience. It's so odd. Yeah, that's what I'm Good saying. Point. Like, if you would have told me what Bones Highland is doing – I would have said you're absolutely crazy because, you know, like a rookie has never had this free reign um, under Michael Malone. And I think it's the right call. I think it's you got to know the player that you're coaching and Bones Highland flourishes when he's just allowed to play free and to play his game and to be himself. Now, look, is he going to have that same, um, leash in the playoffs definitely not i don't think so at least but i just i'm happy that malone is letting him be bones he's letting bones be bones me too and they needed it last night (laughs) at a certain point too you go okay they're hitting threes you get a long leash because no one could buy one but he looks good he looked good he looked confident i still like him much more as a catch and shoot guy than an off the dribble guy but he hit him last night so I think he looks really good. He's a big part of why the bench looks good. They're just playing so hard. They seem to understand yeah. the moment, the urgency of those minutes right now. And you just hope that that starts to rub off on the starters. One more thing I'm encouraged by, Harrison. I was looking at the roster today. Nikola Jokic still on the team, still on the team. And I think that's going to factor into how they finish down the stretch. Am yes. I wrong? That's a very encouraging aspect. You've still got the best player in the league. Um, although my, my read on him getting a second straight MVP, I'm not feeling as confident about that now. It seems like that's kind of fading. It feels like the MVP has been awarded, but anyways, yes, they still have Nikola Jokic. They're still going to be good. I think they keep the six. I think they get this together. Look, they just won six in a row. Like we said, they dropped a game to the thunder where they had a ridiculously bad off shooting night that. Right. They've only had a couple times this season. They're good, and I think they've got a great opportunity for 
a get right game against the Rockets who are probably going to deploy a very similar game plan to what the Thunder did. So it's just going to be about if the Nuggets can hit a couple more wide open threes. And I, you'd like to think that they will got all the misses out of the way. And hopefully it's just sooner or later that reminder was going to come to them. Hey, you guys have to play better. You can't walk into this. And so, all right, let's just the positive, the optimist perspective. They got that reminder now. Here we go. And they're good enough for this. I'm with, I'm with you. I think they hang on to the six. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, I think that's all the time we got. I feel like we covered a lot today, but um, appreciate you guys chilling. Appreciate you uh, watching. If you're watching live on YouTube, if you're listening in podcast form, leave us a five-star review. You know, let's, let's get the five-star reviews popping again. So if you have a second, hit that five stars, help us out there. That, that'd be a huge help. If you're watching on YouTube, like I said, hit the subscribe button, throw us a like as well uh, before you get out of here. Nuggets play the Rockets Friday. I'll be in the lounge pregame, postgame hosting. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's a great opportunity for for a get right game. Talk to you guys then. Love you, Chad.